The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you this morning. In May on Mother's Day, we were treated with a lovely presentation from the three women of the church board. Today being Father's Day, Pastor Terry thought it would be a good idea for the remaining board members to share some thoughts. So here we are, privileged to, uh, to give our church family a few of our thoughts on spiritual fathering. And I'm going to start off, and my name is Bob Fast, and uh, so I have a few, a few thoughts to share. A couple of months ago, the board and the church staff were discussing portions of a book that we were reading together called Bold Moves. And among others, there were two questions that were asked. How have you been discipled in your life? And secondly, how are you discipling others today? At first, many of us found it hard to identify and articulate who had invested in our respective lives spiritually. Of course, our parents in many cases, but we were hard-pressed to say, well, Joe took me under his wing and when, I, when I was a teenager or a young adult and took me through a discipleship program. And yet, as we continued talking about it, many of us began to see patterns or themes emerging. For me, yes, my dad taught me many things about life and about being a good Christian. In fact, I could think of several what I call life lessons that I learned from my father. Some were spoken and some were lived. I think the most important thing I learned was that he lived his life in alignment and consistently with God's word. He did not sit me down regularly to teach me stuff. He just lived it and used teachable moments to help me understand. Some were hard lessons to learn. Honesty and integrity were linked, and I learned in my early teen years about them. For example, when I was 12 or 13, my cousin and I wanted to attend a demolition derby. Now, for those of you who may not know what this is, just think of a bunch of old clunker cars with souped-up engines, driving around this enclosed space, crashing into each other until only one car can still drive. Anyway, Tony and I wanted to go so badly, but we didn't have the money for admission. So how do you get in to see something when you don't have the money to to get in? Well, you find a way without money. When I got home that night, my dad asked me about my day and what I had done. I reluctantly told him about attending the demolition derby and eventually admitted we had snuck in. My dad then told me that that was dishonest and not acceptable. To reinforce the point, he had me write a letter of apology to the organizers and send them the money that I would have paid to attend. I don't recall him yelling at me or getting all uptight. We just had a little chat and then agreed as to what I would do to make it right. Another life lesson from my dad that I never really have forgotten, in fact, I share it with others regularly, is a time when I was in college. My church had asked me to sing at some service, and I had declined. My dad asked me why I had declined to serve in this way, and I said, well, I was just too busy. Again, without any fanfare, he gave me some wise counsel. He simply said, Bob, it is not a matter of time, it's a matter of priority. If it was important to you, you would find the time. I am convicted about this truth from time to time because it is so true in my life and happens far too often. And it reveals my selfishness that I 
that I don't care to admit. Uh, f- further reflection on who had discipled me during uh, to reveal other ways God had used people in my life to shape and grow me in my understanding of who God is. After rebellious teen years, I was led to attend what is now Providence University College. And I had gone there for one year to reset my spiritual walk and found myself graduating three years later. Another disciple-making experience for me was joining a navigator's small group using their uh, 2-7 curriculum. 2-7 was a reference to Colossians 2 verse 7. And in Colossians 2, 6 and 7, it says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. A final example of being discipled is when I was newly married and in my mid-20s. The elders of a church plant where uh, we were attending invited me to join them on the elder board. This was an incredibly humbling and intimidating experience, but the four other elders were so welcoming and gracious. This was an amazing time of spiritual learning and growing, just spending time with these men and learning from them. These investments into my life by my father, professors, navigator friends, and the elders of the church formed a strong foundation for me. As I reflect, I am very thankful for each of these forms of input into my spiritual development. Of course, there have been many other experiences and people in my life over the decades since then, but I think these were instrumental and foundational in my commitment to being intentional in my own walk and investment in others. In fact, one of my personal goals is to what I call live life on purpose. I want to be intentional with my time and resources. I want to be a good steward of all that God has given me. Over the years, there have been circumstances and occasions where I have had the privilege of walking with other men in their spiritual journey. I remember as early as in my college days, there were two of my friends back home that I connected with every time I went home for a weekend. I spent a lot of time trying to encourage these guys in the Lord. I had no idea what I was supposed to do. We just hung out and I tried to build them up through prayer and encouraging words. There have been seasons in my life where I've been more actively engaged in spiritual fathering or being a spiritual friend, and seasons where I have been less so. I recall a number of years ago when I met with three other men, a bit younger than me, for breakfast. I don't recall if it was weekly or monthly. Anyway, we had many great conversations about life and how we can better live as followers of Jesus. We developed wonderful friendships, and even though we haven't met like that for many years, I still think back on that time as being very special and formational. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to have regular mentoring relationships with a few other Christian men on a one-to-one basis, often related to the ministry that I was doing on various boards. More recently, meeting with a small group of young married men provided an opportunity for investing in their lives. As we met in our home, we often shared deeply about life and how to live, how to live well as followers of Christ. We have been, um, these have been rich experiences that I have enjoyed immensely.
As a father of two daughters, two sons-in-law, and five, soon to be six grandchildren, being spiritually active in my family in words and actions is always on my mind. In addition, there are others in my neighborhood and at work and even in our church family that I am being more intentional with in my words and actions in reflecting Jesus to them. As we have been reading and discussing disciple-making, I have a renewed desire to engage in spiritual investing more actively. I believe God is calling me to continue to grow in my devotion to him and to develop the characteristics that would glorify him. I pray that as I connect with others and walk with them, God can use me to encourage them to become more devoted, further developed, and actively deployed as followers of Jesus. I want to be a disciple-maker. My default to making myself more available for disciple-making relationships is to believe that I am too busy. But then my dad's sage advice and wisdom comes back to admonish me. It is not a matter of time, it's a matter of priority. How much of a priority is it for me to follow one of the most clear and com compelling commands of Jesus when he commanded us in Matthew 28, 19, to go and make disciples. This is a great responsibility and a wonderful privilege. I want to be obedient and I need to be intentional. Thank you. Well, hi everyone, my name is Sean Humphreys. It's a real pleasure for me to have the opportunity to share some thoughts on this Father's Day. So first of all, I'm gonna introduce you to my clan here, my family. I love what we call our, our chat function for our text messages, what's called fam jam. So this is my fam jam. So my hand is on the left, and then Avery, and of course my wife Tanya, then Joshua, and Paul. So it's just an honor to be their dad. So I hope to weave a narrative that shares the impact that my father had on my life and the lessons learned and some really important character traits that he imparted to me. And then I'm going to talk about how God worked in my life to introduce me to men that mentored me and provided some great guidance at critical moments. Before I do that, I think it's important to underscore the fact that our culture is not helping the cause of fathers and dads. It undermines them, it, it uh, talks about things that are contrary to what it is to be a, a good dad and a good man in the culture. We need to fight against that. And uh, my dad, not necessarily intentionally, passed on some traits that I think are very important for this cultural moment. Now my dad's name was Bill Humphreys and unfortunately my relationship with my father wasn't very good and it really wasn't until my dad passed away in 2006 after a three-year battle with cancer and at that time being a dad of four kids probably a little bit more mature a little bit more reflective that I came to understand that my dad had an incredibly important impact on my life and I just wish I'd had that opportunity to say that before he had passed away so to the you kids out there or if your dads are with you right now they're not perfect, you're not perfect, 
but take the time to just say thank you. Most dads are good-hearted men trying to do the best they can with the skill set that they have. So give them the benefit of the doubt and say thank you right now. And if you need to make a phone call after the service, do that as well. If your father's no longer with you, make sure you encourage other fathers in their father journey. So when it comes to my father, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, We didn't have that direct influence. Um, But my dad, like I said, taught me some very important lessons. And it definitely wasn't my dad saying, okay, Sean, I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to talk about the, the great truths of life. No, that didn't happen. My dad didn't do that. But what it definitely was, was caught, not taught. My dad lived a life that taught me some very important traits and values. So I'm going to share with you a few stories to, to underscore the fact, uh, and hopefully you'll enjoy some of the, some of the stories I'm going to share with you. So first of all, my dad was an amazing protector. I think that's a role that a dad plays. And it was underscored by the relationship that he had with his mom. My grandmother lived until her mid-90s. And at a very young age, my dad was probably about 16 at the time, he stood up for my grandmother. My grandfather was being verbally abusive to my grandmother, emotionally abusive, and he stood up to her. And they got into a physical altercation. And in that moment, that was the last day that my dad was in that house. He was asked to leave immediately. And he had to forge his way. But through my grandmother's whole life, my dad was always in the background and in the foreground eventually to look after her, to care for her, to protect her. And that was very keenly seen when my grandmother was older and my dad stepped in to look after her increasing needs physically as she aged. He was a protector. And as well, my dad was a nurturer. Um, And I'll tell you a little story, um, and I don't remember this, but my mother relates the story. And the story was when I was born, um, and right through to my toddler years, my dad would wake up very early, because he had to get up early for work, and I got up with him, and we hung out together. My dad changed diapers, he made sure I was fed, he, uh, I guess, had conversations with me. I guess we had great conversations to my mom. And my dad actually uh, shared with me a great recipe. Many mornings we had something incredibly delicious, toast with sardines. The sardines were mashed up with Worcestershire sauce and ketchup and lathered on the toast. And uh, I came to love that dish. And again, one of my regrets in life is I have not been able to pass on that culinary tradition to my kids. For some reason, they just don't, they don't like it. Sardines on toast. Now, I mentioned that my dad uh, was very much a protector of my grandmother, um, but he could be quite stoic, but there was moments when he shared emotion. He could be real in front of the people that he loved. And the one moment that I'll never forget is I was, I was married at that time. Tanya and I were recently married uh, at that time, still married. And I was sitting on the front porch of our house, and my dad drove up one morning, and as he walked out of the vehicle, I could tell right away something was horribly wrong. So I walked out down the sidewalk. As soon as I met him, he broke down and wept uncontrollably. So I took my dad, I put him in the the, uh, passenger seat, I got in the car, we drove. And I found out that morning that my mother had informed my father that that she was leaving him. 
Now, this had been brewing for a while. Uh, the marriage was going through struggles. But one of the things I knew for sure about my dad is that he desperately wanted that relationship to work and to continue. And he would be prepared to do anything to make sure that marriage survived that. But unfortunately, he didn't have a partner at that time that was willing to put that work in. And when they went through their divorce, he was devastated emotionally. He was devastated physically in some ways. Uh, but to his credit, my dad never allowed the, um, the root of bitterness to fester and build in his life. And so he worked to rebuild his life. And it wasn't long before he met another lady by the name of Myrna, who became my stepmom. And they got married, and I saw a very tender and very loving relationship exhibited to me. Uh, it was very special. My dad was a worker. That's a trait that I think fathers should impart to their kids. And again, a story about him being a worker is the fact that as a young kid, with my brother and my sister, my, my, mom, was at, my mom was at home full-time, and he was a lineman or an installer for SASTEL, telecommunications company in Saskatchewan. And one of his jobs was to work on microwave towers throughout the prairies. These are very tall structures. And there's images or pictures of my dad hanging off the top of these structures in minus 25, 30 Celsius weather, wind blowing, working with his team to build these towers and connect them. And then my dad would get home, and during that time frame, he usually had one or two part-time jobs. He did everything he could to try to make sure there's enough money hanging around the house so his kids could get to do the things that, uh, that they wanted to do. So he was a hard worker, he was sacrificial. Um, that's an important trait in my life. It's funny, you know, often uh, you can be in rooms and situations where you, you don't necessarily think you're the smartest person in the room, but darn it, when I'm working with groups, they better work hard because I'm going to try to out outwork them. And that was a great trait that my father passed on to me. And then my dad was a great friend. So again, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but I saw friendship mentored. For decades, my dad, every Saturday, would go to a menswear shop in downtown Regina, and the back of that shop was coffee and old chairs, and a group of men would hang out every Saturday and talk politics, probably religion, um, economics, work, you name it, families. I got to see that later on when I got older. I got brought into that inner sanctum. And it was men from every socioeconomic background, religion, um, professions, and those men's were, men were really important relationships that my dad cultivated. So I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but nonetheless my father passed on some very important traits that are very in line with our faith and what the role that I think dads play. What are those? A protector, a protector of the family, a protector of communities, a protector of people around you, the vulnerable. He was tender. He could be tender when he needed to be. He was sacrificial. He was a worker. He was a good friend, and he was loyal. So am I mastering those traits? No, it's a continuum. We're all trying to make it work. Um, but I do know that my dad was a great example of those traits. And I was fortunate that along the way, as my dad was exhibiting those things in action, God was working in my life. My sister um, kind of lassoed me into going to uh, an Alliance Church near where we lived. And we only went there for about a year, but I started attending a boys' brigade program. And um, 
I met some great leaders and some great young people over that time period, and it cast a very positive glow on Christian faith and Christianity for me. Now, I was there for a year, and I know that there was some intentionality around the relationships in my life through Boys Brigade. Didn't think too much about it until later on in life, when I became a Christian in 1981 and came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, I reflected back on those moments where God used those leaders and those men and those relationships to have a powerful impact. I had men at Canadian Bible College and Seminary impact me. I had pastors impact me. I had men in the church impact me. And if you'd look at those impacts, you would never in your wildest imagination believe that there was some coherent plan. They seemed very random. Like, how could God be using these interactions, sometimes very short conversations and interactions to make a difference? But he did. God can use those short little interactions to have impact. So the, the life lesson there is as God weaves us through these relationships in our lives, um, we cannot make assumptions. We may not think it has a big impact in that moment, but if we're being led by the Holy Spirit, if we're being sensitive in that, that moment, and it might be a word to say, an experience to go side by side with, with another man or person or individual, or maybe simply just hanging out together and not even talking. God can use those moments in a very powerful way. So the question for all of us men, not just fathers, but men generally, is how are you using the lessons from your earthly father, both good and bad, we can learn from those things, and from your spiritual father to have a positive impact on the relationships around you. The little moments and interactions that we have with others can have an impact. They truly can. And God can use them if you're open to being used. So to you fathers, I wish you a wonderful day. And to spouses and the ladies in your life, thank you so much for the encouragement you are to us and how you help us to be better. So I'm going to close this with uh, the verse um, that I think really underscores this. 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus, Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hello, I'm IBK, and it's my fourth year on the board of White Ridge Baptist Church. I'm honored to share what spiritual fathership looked like in my life. I was born and grew up in Nigeria, and Nigeria is made up of hundreds of local tribes and languages. The tribe my father belonged to, people of stature, were allowed to marry multiple wives. My father had two wives. My mom was the second. But I did not grow up in a polygamous home per se, in the sense that my father 
and the first wife and my stepbrothers and sisters lived together in one house, and my mom and my siblings lived in a different house. So in many ways, um, I had an absent father since I barely ever saw my father physically. My father would come over once in a while to literally visit since he would typically leave after his visit. My childhood memories of my father were very few and because he was a very important man in his tribe, I would typically see him and the entire family in extravagant parties or celebrations, which he would typically have several times in a year with politicians and city officials and chiefs in his tribe. I did not know what I was missing since my mom was a very strong example in my life. She took on the role of mother and father. So when my dad passed away when I was nine years old, I was surprised at how much I wept over his passing and how empty I felt inside. I barely knew him and yet I remember crying my eyes out for days. My mom continued to be the role model to me and my siblings until I finally moved to Canada for school in 2003, about 18 years now. And honestly, it wasn't only after my move to Canada that I started to see what spiritual fathering or real fathering looked like. One of my first examples is actually Bob Fast. And he didn't know I was gonna name him today. But when I first moved to Winnipeg, I got connected with White Ridge Baptist Church very early in my move. And the very first Sunday I walked into church, I was already plugged into a small group Bible study for college and career students, which happened to be at Bob's house. Um, there was a very effective greeter at the door, and I would say they did their job very perfectly. Um, they knew I was new when I came into the church and they asked the right questions and right away plugged me in. Um, I didn't have a car at the time, I was still a student, but no problem, I got a ride. I remember being very quiet and shy. I did not speak very much, but I was watching everything like an eagle. I noticed how Bob interacted with his kids and the young adults. The first shock that came to me was they called him by his name. In my culture, you never refer to your elders by name, even more so your own parents, never. But more than that, they teased him all the time and he gave it back. But it was wholesome and it always ended up in laughter and I think I got goosebumps just soaking in the, the culture or the environment I was in. Added to that came the wisdom from Bob when we discussed God's word and this was my first tangible, spiritual, and physical fathering experience in Canada, and perhaps in my life at that point. Then another great man of God came into my life right at the University of Manitoba, a man named Kevin Husker, who was the director, or is the director of Power to Change Ministries, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ. That relationship was intentional from the get-go. The mission of Power to Change is to change the world by helping students experience Jesus. If I had a bubble, Power to Change broke it. 
Power to Change took me from a shy and quiet person to plugging me into areas of growth and then leadership on so many levels. I learned how to be comfortable sharing my faith with random students on campus. I went from watching Kevin Husker do the sharing and me listening, and then he shared and I helped answer a few questions. And then I did the sharing and he helped, and then I was all on my own and eventually bringing alongside other young Christians with me. Like Jesus did with the 12 disciples, Kevin Husker had, sorry, Jesus had three or four people that he invested more time with, and Kevin did the same thing to the student leaders. He would um, bring us aside, and we would hold ourselves accountable outside of ministry times in our personal journeys, purity works, and struggles, and so on. Kevin's intentional discipling of me resulted in my spiritual faith growth, which eventually led to me going on international missions with power to change and serving overseas as a Canadian missionary to closed countries in Asia. If someone asked me who God was to me at a younger age up until maybe recently in my life, I would describe God as the king, mighty, powerful God. I was scared of him, I revered him, but it was a healthy fear. He deserved that. He is God. But during my spiritual work, when people describe God as their father, or they refer to him as Papa, I found that I could not quite see him that way. I know he loved me like a dad should, but could I call him dad? I did not really have that dad connection growing up, so it wasn't a natural connection to make with him, and perhaps some of you at home can relate. Maybe you come from broken homes or absent dads. But yet, God had been fathering me since I was born by not only giving, me, giving my mother the strength she needed to be both mom and dad, but leading me to many people like Bob Fast and Kevin, a few among many, to guide me to where I am today. Today, as a father to two wonderful kids, I'm about 36, 37, youngest member serving on the board of White Ridge Baptist Church, and having the amazing testimonies of so many lives God has allowed me to be a part of discipling in university, with international students, in Asia, in child evangelism fellowship with our young summer workers, with all these and many more to come, how can I say I had or I have an absent father? God has always been there. He has been fathering since the day I was born, and he has not stopped. And I hope you men out there know that too. Even in the quiet, lonely, confusing, crazy times in your life, God is there fathering. And you can take that knowledge and help other young men realize that too. You've already heard it read, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 2. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard me from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Thank you. Good morning. 
I'm Dave Barton. I grew up in a Christian home in rural New Brunswick. I went to church and Sunday school and was taught Christian values at home. My dad was away a lot because he was a trucker, but I still learned lots of valuable lessons and inherited some good traits from my dad, including a strong work ethic, being a good provider for my family, and maintaining a healthy sense of humor. And just a quick story to illustrate my uh, dad's sense of humor. Way back, uh, I remember my allowance was a dollar a week, and this was before we had a loonie or a toonie. So, you know, each Saturday I'd get a $1 bill. That was my allowance. So one weekend, Dad said, hey, how about I double your allowance? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. So I'm expecting him to pull a $2 bill out of his wallet. But no, he pulls out a one, folds it over and hands it to me and says, there you go. I didn't think it was uh, funny at the time, but I think it's pretty funny now. At the age of 10, I made a public profession of my faith in Jesus and was baptized. But by my late teens and early 20s, I was not living a Christian lifestyle. In fact, I was actually walking further and further from the Lord. When I finished my bachelor's degree, I joined the military. And I think that was an important step in my gradual return to fellowship with Jesus. I had to move far away from home, make new friends, learn new skills, and face new challenges. I began to hear the voice of Jesus calling me back to follow him and increasingly realized my need for a relationship with him. In my late 20s, I was posted to Shiloh, Manitoba, and I decided that I would find a church there where I could serve and where I could fellowship with other Christians. So I joined Faith Fellowship Baptist Church in Brandon and decided I would prayerfully consider and willingly serve in whatever, whatever capacity I was offered. So very quickly, I was singing in the choir, I was a leader in the Iwana Children's Program, and I was teaching the teen Sunday school class. Before long, I was asked to serve as a deacon. A number of men mentored me in the two years that I was there, and I particularly remember an older gentleman named Franklin McDowell. Franklin reminded me of my maternal grandfather, who had been a Baptist pastor in New Brunswick and a strong spiritual influence in my younger years. Franklin would record Christian radio programs and share the tapes with me, and then we'd get together and discuss the content of those tapes. It was a result of his encouragement that I was given the opportunity to preach on a couple of different occasions in Brandon. It was also during this time that my unit was deployed on a peacekeeping mission to Cyprus. I knew of at least three other Christian men in my unit, so I organized and led a weekly Bible study during our deployment. A few others gradually joined us, and it opened up lots of opportunities for me to share my faith, even with others who weren't attending our weekly study. I look back on many of those opportunities as spiritual parenting or mentoring. Just as I was being mentored by Franklin and other men in Brandon, I was mentoring young boys in Awana, teens in Sunday school, and fellow soldiers on deployment and in my workplace. It wasn't until my late 30s that God blessed me with the privilege of physical parenting to experience the challenge and joy of seeking to raise my son in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, I knew I was gonna do that wrong, okay. Uh, when I married Lorraine five years ago, I was suddenly blessed with a much larger family. In our wedding vows, Lorraine and I both committed to love one another's children as our own. 
Since then, I've had the joy of building relationship with all of the beautiful people you see in this photo, and I'm now grandpa to four precious grandchildren. I can now see even more clearly the parallels between physical parenting and spiritual parenting. Oh, oh. I touched something wrong, so while they fix that, I'll just keep talking, and hopefully somebody could get me back on track with the slide deck. Sorry about that. If anybody was going to mess up today, it was going to be me. So two, two down. I've got one more mistake. Wait for it. Uh, okay, so in the book that the staff and the board have been studying, uh, Bold Moves, we've been introduced to the concept of 3D disciples, and the 3Ds are devoted, developing, and deployed. As Christians, we're to be devoted to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We should be developing in the character and competencies of Jesus, and we should be deployed to share him and make other disciples. And to me, this looks a lot like how we raise our children. We want them to be devoted members of our family. We seek to develop them as they grow to become healthy, independent adults with the aim of deploying them out into the world one day to start their own families. This is the method of multiplication that we should be desiring to model as Christians who are called to live out the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations. We should be encouraging one another to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, helping one another develop in our character and abilities to be more like Christ so that we can go out and share this good news with others, helping them to become devoted, developing, and eventually deployed. In both circumstances, as physical parents and as spiritual parents, we are investing of ourselves and other people, sharing our time, talents, wisdom, and experience. I see this pattern in my past, specifically in my experiences in Brandon and Cyprus, as I saw the influence of God working through me and through others with whom I had shared my faith. I've had many other opportunities over the years, and I'm excited about the opportunities that God is giving me now and will give me in the future to become more like him and to be a mentor or spiritual father to others as they journey as a disciple of Jesus. I think of the Apostle Paul. He was never married, he never had children, but he was a spiritual father to hundreds of people across most of the civilized world in his day. And you've already seen that verse from Timothy a couple of times where he refers to Timothy as his child, as my son. And in actual fact, uh, in... If I do this right this time, this could be the third one. No. That's not... There it is. No, that's it. <laughs> okay. That's the last slide, so I don't make any more slide mistakes. Sorry about that. Uh, so the Apostle Paul actually is, in this verse, is sending to the church in Thessalonica, and he's addressing the entire church as a father might address his children. And you can see how here he, he is exhorting them, encouraging them, and charging them to walk in a manner worthy of God. I believe that God is challenging me to be a godly father to my children, and a good spiritual father to others who he's placing in my path and calling me to mentor. I'm seeking to recognize opportunities and be willing to share the gifts he has given me, especially the gift of salvation and a personal relationship with him. I hope that today, 
you're expressing your gratitude to the fathers and father figures who helped raise you and to the spiritual fathers who have mentored you in your journey as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage fathers to acknowledge the sovereignty of our heavenly father and seek his wisdom, strength, and love in order to raise your children to know and love Jesus. I also want to encourage men who have the opportunity to serve as a father figure to other children to set a good example of love and encouragement. And I'm praying that all Christian men will consider the mentoring relationships to which God might be calling you to share your faith, to help another believer mature in their faith and encourage them to share that faith with others. Thank you for this opportunity to share with you this morning. I'd just like to close in prayer as the worship team comes for the final song. Heavenly Father, today we want to thank you for our dads and for those who have taken a fatherly role in our upbringing. And Lord, that we would be truly thankful for the fathers and father figures that you've placed in our lives. I want to thank you for our spiritual dads, those who have mentored us in our faith journey and so many people that you've brought into our lives to help shape us and guide us to be more Christ-like. I pray that dads today would seek God's guidance in helping them to be a godly parent and a spiritual leader in their home. I pray that all men would seek to be a godly influence to the younger generation of men, modeling Christ-likeness and leading them towards physical, emotional, and spiritual maturity. And finally, I pray that we would all strive to be 3D disciples, that we would be dedicated to Jesus, developing in our character and abilities, allowing the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus and deployed to disciple others. Thank you so much, Heavenly Father. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.